Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I'm talking to the wonderful Millie Mulcahy. We're talking about taking time off over the holidays and particularly the festive season. And Millie shares with us five mistakes that she's made and top tips for how not to make them yourself. So I do hope you enjoy this episode and wish you a very happy and restful festive season. Hello, Millie. Hi, Emma. Thank you so much for being here to talk about a topic which is close to my heart. Um, Close to my heart because we're going to talk about Christmas and the Christmas holidays. Close to my heart because I am a Christmasaholic. I just need to get that right out there straight away. Um, Also, because I know that people really struggle. And when I say people, I mean PhD researchers really struggle Mm -hmm. around holiday time and particularly around Christmas holidays. Um, I am really looking forward to um, you talking to us about that because you've got five mistakes. Um, <laughs> I, and, um, I can't wait. I can't wait. From which um, I have learned. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, so, but first of all, before we get into that, um, I always ask people to tell us a little bit about their own journey. So can you tell us a little bit about you? Absolutely. So I've got two versions of this story, both equally true. The, the first is the kind of what you'd send for your conference bio. And, and I want to <laughs> tell that one because that's what people read and, and then they start to spiral about. And then I'll tell you what was actually happening. Um, so I went to the London School of Economics and I studied social anthropology and I'm passionate about anthropology and the way that it makes you start to think about the world around you and be more analytical about your relationships and the way that you relate to the society that you're in and when you travel. And I think that's amazing. And I um, sort of, while I was there, I started working in a museum in the US and I worked Mm. on the, a site with Native American historical interpreters. So um, sort of public historians uh, from the Wampanoag, Cherokee and Shinnecock nations. And we were telling the story of the English colonization of America, the Mayflower arrival. Mm. And I, loved really loved that job I loved being a guide I loved telling the story but what I started to notice was just the emotional burden that Native American people were taking on by interpreting their own unresolved this this unresolved history and also how brutal the questioning could be you know explicitly racist or Mm. very um oh I didn't realize there are any Native people or are you sure you're real Native and and all this was happening and it really it became something I was really interested in how museums, however well-meaning, might not realise that this was taking place and might not realise this kind of added burden and complexity. So that was kind of in the back of my head. And then despite loving that work, for some reason, I decided I had to do the kind of graduate scheme route. Um, and I went into London and I worked at a recruitment firm. And it was to support students from marginalised communities into top work and I really enjoyed that aspect of it but the work itself wasn't really where I wanted to be and I've continued some of that with copywriting and marketing but I still was missing that kind of academic research element um so I quit I spent every penny I had made in a 
completely crazy move and went to New Zealand, the Cook Islands and Australia. And the whole time I was there, I just was talking to people. I'd like go to a museum and just chat to the staff for hours about what they were doing and why they were doing it and the challenges of doing it. And it became really clear to me that I wanted to go back into academia. I wrote my master's application on the plane. Um, did a research master's at Durham which is 40,000 words in a year and I still can't quite fathom why it's that many but but wrote that and then did and then the first indigenous research center in the UK opened up at Kent University by Professor David Stirrup and that was absolutely where I needed and wanted to be um so I started at Kent and I'm now doing my PhD so um it feels like a very linear move because the marketing experience in London really helped me to kind of forge my sense of self and my profile and allowed me to work alongside my PhD, which made that feasible. Right, right. So, so that's the classic. <laughs> that's the classic straight line. Oh, I always knew what I wanted to do. I love um, that. We love that. Yeah. And then what was actually happening uh, was I was a very high performing, but unbelievably stressed student. Right, and right. my whole memory of school was like carrying this back breakingly heavy bag with every lessons book in it and then coming home and doing extra lessons with tutors and then hours of work. And my parents actually implemented instead of a bedtime, they implemented like a TV time to force me to stop working in the wow. evenings. Wow. And a wow. huge part of that was because I'm dyslexic and I was right. diagnosed as dyslexic when I was like 14. And it was just, I just had to work three times as hard to do the same thing. Nice. Um, but I, I was incredibly lucky actually because my mom was dyslexic, but at a time when that was not recognized. Nice. Um, and so she brought both me and my brother up saying like, this is a hurdle now, but it's actually your superpower. And if anyone yes. calls you... yes. Yeah. And if anyone calls you stupid or lazy, which teachers absolutely did, they're just illustrating their own ignorance. And that's right for your mum. Yeah. And it couldn't be more true. And I think it's such a shame that many neurodivergent students haven't had that said to them. And that is so important. Like it's their ignorance. It's got, it's very much a them problem, not a you problem. And you should feel a little bit sorry for them and then move on. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Prove them wrong. Um, yes. um but I wow. took that really kind of lack of work-life balance and that attitude that I had to work 100 times harder which I think was true when I had exams because I, right. I struggled but I didn't think was actually true at university and I think it was very much to my detriment and I took for the first six weeks at the LSE I read every book and every article on the reading list. Oh, bless no you. No one does that. Bless you. <laughs> I didn't well, know that anyone did that. Well, the thing is, some people do, don't they? And you, you're you yeah. one of them. Exactly. Some people do. And, I, you know, from teaching undergraduates, I, I, I know that. And, um, oh, wow, my heart yeah. goes out to you with that. Well, yes. and so, and it's just entirely insane. Exactly, exactly. And I only started really performing once I'd stopped that. And and what stopped that, sadly, was I took a half day off on Christmas Day. That was the only break I'd taken. And I had a panic, my first panic attack. And I genuinely thought I was dying. And then I started having three panic attacks a day. And for like a couple of months. And thankfully had this amazing support network. But and a support network that I trusted would help me to do well 
so that I could take a step back. Do you know, like I trusted yes. that they were telling me I needed to break and that that was true and that needed yes. to happen. Yes. And my body had kind of, I mean, bless it. Like at least through school, I was being forced to exercise and eat well. But at uni, I was putting under the same stress with none of the like support. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. And, and it's entirely unsustainable. So I've then yes. become since then for my own, like sort of for my own health, really passionate about having a work-life balance about the work towards cultivating that and those techniques to kind of create that balance and that mental well-being and I know how valuable that is because by third year I did so much better in third year and I was taking loads of time off and I was like seeing my friends regularly so it does pay off like it definitely pays off in grades having that structure that yeah that time oh but that is hard one knowledge Oh. <laughs> yeah. and and I think that the key thing that you were saying there was about this kind of this being sustainable being sustainable and and actually there's such potential for burnout yes. um and especially if you are very smart and like, like you, you know you kind of you have this veracity for knowledge you want to do everything um there is no end to learning and there's no end to knowledge and you can just kind of go on and on into that. And um, I think there becomes this, this weird competitiveness. And this is why I left the London job. There becomes a competitiveness about how burnt out you are. Right. And like, I say I have panic attacks so that hopefully people who are in that situation can feel like this is a step in the journey. It's not the end of the journey. And right. you can manage right. this and there is there's so many different ways to help you but equally some people will hear that because of the culture that we're in and think well I'm not that bad so therefore I can't be burnt out and right. burnout looks so different for different people and like for me now burning out is I just can't use my head right now like I just there's nothing in there I'm just there all thought is gone and I definitely need to break it doesn't I wouldn't wish it getting really bad on anyone Um, and I think it's learning where for your body that burnout level is and if that's like you just get super tired or you just don't you stop enjoying the things that you normally enjoy those are all different warning signs that I think are really important to attend to and are all very equally valid yes and I think that absolutely that in terms of recognizing your own signs your own things you know kind of is it that you're losing your sense of humor is it that you can't get to sleep what what is it that's the signal for you to go oh hang on a minute right something going on here I need to do something about it um but let's come back to them this half day off for Christmas day (laughs) because this is like something out of a Dickens novel Um, I don't know what I was doing I think um yeah I don't know and and like it's not like anyone was putting this pressure on me like my family were really worried about me and really pushing for me to uh to slow down um but I think I had in my head because school had taught me because the way that we set up exams is like I could do really well in coursework and then absolutely flunk an exam so I was like well I'm gonna have to work at 100% every day otherwise I'm gonna fail in the final exams and that just wasn't true um and I put and it isn't true for school either I think there's lots of techniques I I could have probably learned that are coming out now obviously that kind of our understanding of neurodiversity gets better all the time um but yeah it is it's Dickensian it's completely insane it shows how little I understood how the brain works like right like we talk about sustainability I had no concept that that was how right this worked because it felt like it had paid off for me it hadn't but it felt like it had and that the time had run out, but actually it I probably could have done 
better or at least enjoyed the process of A-levels more had I not been putting that kind of level of stress on myself. And I think, again, something you said there is really important in terms of you said nobody was making you do this. And actually, that's the thing that's the most pernicious, isn't it? Is that it, it that this pressure people could be putting on themselves um and that's that's the thing that's the hardest to address because if someone else was doing it it would be easier to see where it's coming from recognize it and call it out Um, yeah absolutely and and I think you you do when you're a PhD student surround yourself by people who are under a lot of stress mm. um so I think I think that's not so much an influence, but it can be you can engage with people who are similarly stressed and therefore kind of justify to yourself that level of stress. Um, And I think there's a real culture like, uh, you know, some of the tips that I'll give are uh, from productivity sort of podcasts and YouTubers. But there's a really nefarious part of that culture, which is that you have to be productive every minute of the day. And that productivity looks like having a youtube channel and uh, uh a phd and uh two part-time jobs and and you can't do it all and you shouldn't have to do it all <laughs> no no oh here here right well let, well let's get to these let's get to these tips and so you said you've got five mistakes yes and how not to make them so so tell us tell us Okay, so mistake one, and this is for taking a break over the Christmas holidays in particular. I've used that as like a case study, but I think it's true of taking breaks more generally. I love it. And I think mistake number one is doing it by yourself. If you worked in an office and you had a boss, you would message your boss saying, these are the dates I'm taking off, or Christmas would already be off anyway. And you would then put an out of office on. So everybody in your community knows that you are not working right now, and therefore you have their support and buy-in, you'd hope, um to preserve that time for yourself we don't do that as phd students like Mm. i rarely ever see an out of office and i think they're a really valuable tool because even if someone does send you something super urgent it's been you have given them a filter whereby they can think is this as urgent as it is it is do i need to email again or could i ask someone else or could i give them their week and if they can't then fine but it's a massive filter for all the kind of superfluous nonsense that can feel very urgent and really isn't very smart like that very good very good and I I think there's other people who are your allies as well and I think that we talk about accountability partners or they talk about it in um, productivity but I think you can also have an accountability partner around taking a break and mine is definitely my fiance who will full on tell me off uh, working too much and that can be a really valuable person to have and that might be someone you meet in a PhD like a session like this like I'm happy to be someone's accountability partner and be like are you relaxing today what fun thing have you done Um, and I think just having people that are kind of on your side and even if those are people that equally struggle with it like you do kind of being like okay let's let's work together to make sure we have a really fun Christmas that isn't isn't just work and and there's a a thing i just learned about and i'm sure i'm really late to the party called body doubling which they uh specifically recommend for people with adhd but is more broadly useful and that's when you just work in the space of someone else um and you could have like a youtube video playing so i didn't realize i do apply this to relaxing so i i make costumes i cosplay so i will yeah, I really enjoy it. And it's creative and I never have a plan or a pattern and I just make something. But sometimes I won't do it. I won't prioritize it. So I will 
organize with another friend who does it like ring me at one and then from one to four we're just going to sew and have a cup of tea and whether that's online or in person I found that a really great way to kind of I know it sounds mad but hold no it sounds gorgeous for myself it sounds gorgeous <laughs> so um, yeah so, so that said so, so we've got number one yes so number two is this is something I realize I do as I was planning for this podcast and had just, and it's really funny. So I often get headaches mm. when I start to relax. And I don't think that's uncommon. Like lots of people talk about getting ill when they yes. start their holiday. Absolutely. And my theory based on a sample size of myself, uh, but I think it stands, <laughs> is, <laughs> is that when you start relaxing, you like I'll just abandon my routine entirely. And be like, now I must be relaxed. Right. And actually, my routine is what relaxes me during right. my normal working day. Like knowing that I like get up, read something, have a smoothie. Those are all parts of my making the day manageable and comfortable. Yes. And so something I'm going to start to employ is just changing my routine so that it's more fun during the holiday. So that that reading I do in the morning can be uh, teen fiction, the next like Libra Dargo book. It doesn't need to be an academic book. And the 20 minutes of yoga can be an hour and a half of a yoga session. It doesn't because it's not restricted anymore. Oh, but, I love that. Yeah, because I do I do think we suddenly just sh- like throw everything yes. out yes. and yes. think that will be relaxing, which I'm sure for some people it is. But for me, I'm just that lack of control is fully anxiety provoking. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. And also you go then into a sort of slump mode and then it's, yeah, yeah, there's a very different energy to that. Oh, I love it. And then like you say, then you can treat yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You just, because I am quite routine oriented anyway. um, And I I get lots of people aren't, but it really helps me. And I think it can be useful for PhD students just to have a routine in like the morning and the evening. Yes, absolutely. Get ready and switch off. And there's loads of elements within that routine where you know, instead of doing a task, you go out with a friend. Like there's lots of ways to just maintain yes. that that sort of semi-schedule. Mm. And then I think as the holiday progresses, you can get further and further away from that. But I think working all day Friday and then waking up Monday and not doing anything you're used to doing, mm. it's mm. not surprising that you're kind no, of it's like into shock, isn't it? It's like you're going into shock. Yeah. I mean, humans are good at habits, right? So yeah. I think that complete and also the pressure we put on ourselves and that and that's the the next point I wanted to say is like relax does not mean the same thing for everyone like we can talk about burnout being unique relaxing is unique my my partner will just sleep all day that is like him at his peak relax (laughs) I would like to like go to a museum or call a friend or make a costume or like I want to be doing something even like tidying relaxes me which is blimey but I like like like, like yeah, I know. you well, are so welcome at my house is that I need to need some help <laughs> um, but yeah I really like like organizing things my friend loves gardening I can't think of anything worse than gardening but she loves that's her relaxing and other people you know they want to sit and read all day I can't do that I get tired so I think we when we actually think about like what do our friends do when they're on holiday we realize they're very different from us and yet when we decide we're going to relax for a Christmas break we're like well I must feel this very particular feeling Mm. and I must feel it exactly now 
Oh, I think that's brilliant. Yes. So so thinking about what you want to do ahead of time and having it there and knowing how you're going to enjoy yourself. Love that. Love that. Absolutely. And just and giving just being kind to yourself with the process, like you're not going to go from work stress to being relaxed immediately. And I think and I'm bad at this. And when I don't feel relaxed immediately, I think, oh, well, I might as well be working. And it's like, no, you've got to you need to give yourself more time if you're someone who struggles to switch off. Yes. Uh, because that means it's just going to take you longer to rejuvenate and then you'll come back stronger. But but I and I, that's why I think taking a week, taking two weeks at Christmas is a really valuable thing. And I do that now. I go full Christmas manic. Like, you know, I just start decorating and watching Christmas movies like end of November. Oh, <laughs> me too. I have to confess that I've, I've nearly done all my Christmas shopping and it's it's only Whoa. just November. Whoa, I love it. I'm, that I'm, is I'm I'm obsessed. What can I tell you? Um, That's brilliant. <laughs> um, now then, was did we have two and three together there? Of we, we, we we did. We've we got did. two more. Right. I think two more. Two more. Um, okay, so number four was seeing this time as unproductive. I think right. a lot of PhD right. students, if not probably all of us, see that break as time off, um, and it's not partly because your brain needs time to recover it reduces the chance and the speed with which you'll burn out yes. but also it's a really great time to to invest in yourself a bit and like learn what exercise routines work for you what and then you can start implementing them into your day when you come back you know learn if if is journaling for you does it drive you mad don't know have a go uh you know is meditation absolutely going to fix things for you or do you hate being left with your own thoughts like these are all great things to kind of experiment yes. with and discover when you've got space and time um and and referring to like a, pre- a previous podcast episode about that you had about relationships mm. it's a really important time to work on your relationship with people as well like i think you know make mm. space mm. and time for the people you care about mm. um and and equally i think it's valuable to say at christmas protect your mental health from people who aren't a positive influence at that time because oh, I think yes. we all have this image of and I'm very lucky that I have a really supportive family who I, I get on with very well and we will have that kind of image for Christmas but for a lot of people Christmas is a really hard time and yeah. being at home can be quite challenging so I think also giving yourself kind of protection from that as much as you can and time away from that as much as you can um, is all really productive and is all about resetting yourself in a very real way for coming back to work but also just learning more about yourself long term like it's it's productive longer term than just fixing your work habits and thank you so much for saying that because it it, Christmas is so tough for some people and which is why as you say to remind people to be careful around that and to think about how they're going to look after themselves in that and that you know you deserve the treats and the nice time and and how you how you're going to give that to yourself um absolutely and i think if christmas is a difficult time you know uh we um you know if you've lost someone around that period mm. or, or anything like that mm. i think it is extra important to take time for yourself um mm. and to to really r- reset and, and kind of think about that in what whatever way looks best for mm. you mm. um but but there yeah and there, and there's wonderful things happening at Christmas that you can kind of grab hold of and, and enjoy I think around those those challenges. Mm, mm. Brilliant. And the, the the final the final tip. Yes. Yeah, so this is 
that everything has to be finished before I clock off for Christmas. Oh, yes. <laughs> I I did this even at work, which yes. is mad because we yes. were given the week off. Um, it doesn't. I think telling your supervisors, we talked about like recruiting allies. I think if you're concerned about taking the break, telling your supervisors a month or so in advance, I'm going to take two and a bit weeks off for Christmas. Um, is there anything you need from me ahead of that time is one way to kind of think about it if you're very concerned about mm, it. Mm. But I also, but also something I can't even remember where I got this from. So I apologize for whoever I'm stealing it from. Um, but returning to a half finished task is much easier than returning to a completed task. Yes, yes, yes. And, yes. and I do this now every day. I've half finished my reading notes. Um, which is not a difficult thing to do because I hate taking reading notes, but <laughs> I finish them, which means in the morning I've got like a 10 minute task, which is finishing them up. And that's way less intimidating than starting a whole new, like a whole new project. And there's a. Absolutely. Yeah. And, there, and there's a YouTuber called, I want to get her name right. Cause she's really good. Michelle B. Um, and she's a sort of productivity YouTuber, but more of a lifestyle. And I just really, really like her. And she always talks about how momentum you have to create momentum like once you've created an action so once you've finished something that you're far more likely to roll into the next task with kind of excitement and momentum than you are waking up in the morning and thinking and particularly waking up in the morning two and a half weeks after you finished and going oh my god what is the next step like what do I do as opposed to oh I was halfway through this yes let's finish that and then let's see where where the next steps take. Absolutely, you. I always say to people: always finish, finish on a kind of cliffhanger, finish yeah. halfway yeah. in, because then, as you say, then it draws you back in. Because actually, having to, like you say, rev the engine again to get yourself going makes absolute sense. To um, as I say, I, I always finish halfway through something so that I, I come back to it. Absolutely, I love that. I love that, Absolutely. and it takes and the I pressure think- off. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I and I think if you're um someone who's not got a great memory, my dyslexia definitely affects my memory. I have started free writing. Um, I don't necessarily use them, but they're there if I need to use them. Kind of if I'm gonna take a break, I just free write. This is what I was doing today, this is what I'm yes. hoping to do. Yes, yes um, yes. I think a half-finished project is the most effective way to do that. Yes. Um, but I think if you're concerned with, oh, well, if I leave this reading for two and a half weeks without having done the notes, there's just no way I'll remember it. I think if you just write everything you can think of in a very scrappy typed handwritten, you meant to handwrite free notes, free writing notes. I've never done that. I always type it, but um that can be a nice thing to return to as an okay this is where my head was at on this yes 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 um, well let's, yeah. let's say I, I talk about it like um handover notes if you are handing yeah. over you know like if you're a clinician yeah. and you hand over this is what you know this is how the patient is <laughs> so you can kind Abs- of write absolutely. yourself some handover notes absolutely but the scrappiest most yes, oh here's yes, the yes. picture that inspires me you, you know think of giving your exactly like a handover note really like giving the next person a gentle yeah piece of momentum a piece of excitement of like you're not writing a handover note because you've left the company in disrepute and you hate the person taking over you're writing a handover note to excite and inspire you in two weeks time once you've got more energy and you're more settled and you know a bit more about yourself uh even if you've literally slept for two and a half weeks like whatever whatever it is that that resets you oh Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Um, 
I can't wait for the holidays now. Um, yeah, <laughs> hopefully these help. This is fabulous. And I, and I think we we would say before we started that these are kind of, this is hard won advice. Um, and that's why I love, and I'm so um, grateful when people come onto the podcast, because this is, this is, this is not come easy. This is hard won. And you have um, made those mistakes and now can share with other people how to how to avoid it and how to look after yourself it's brilliant absolutely and I, and I think and and I won't do them you know there will be one of the five on the list hopefully just one where I'll just completely forget to do this before Christmas so there's another thing about people feel free like really feel free to reach out to me because I could use with being held accountable to this as well and and just be kind with yourself that you're not going to go from being someone who kind of overworks and worries to being someone who immediately switches off that that's but that can happen I you know my mental health is better than it has ever been PhD is a favorite job I've ever done and I think that I am so much more attentive to myself and able to look after myself while doing this than I've been in kind of office-based jobs they don't they don't suit me and I found it a very neurodivergent friendly right but through a lot of these kind of structures and putting these things in place. So I, I think we can be very negative about the challenges that PhD researchers face. And I think that's important to have an honest conversation about that. But but I would also like to add that I, I think it's more than possible to actually have really good, really cultivate practices that will give you good mental health while while working within the PhD. And I and I want to add to that as well, like counseling, meds, like I'm not suggesting that this alone is right, what's right, helped right, me through right. this journey. Right. There's been a huge amount of um, mental health support at a sort of clinical level as well. And I think all of those things coming together is a really important part of, of that. Oh, this is music to my ears. The best job you've ever done. Love yeah. that. I yeah, love it. Absolutely. I get to read for a living. How fun is that? It is, it is brilliant. <laughs> it is brilliant. Um, so before I let you go, I'm just going to ask you for a top tip, which could be a reiteration of what's already come, but what would be your top tip going into the Christmas holidays? Can I have two? Can I? You be, can, of course you can. Can I overwork on my top tip? Um, <laughs> of course you can. I think top tip one is make relaxing your own, and I think that's a takeaway for everyone. And then my second top tip is if you're neurodivergent and someone criticizes you for it, that's them. That's them problem. That's got nothing to do with you. And you should just feel sorry for them and, and move on. Um, so that's my that's my dual top tips. That's a brilliant place to finish. That is that's it. That's all we need to say there. Um, Millie, thank you so, so much. I wish oh, you no, an you. awesome festive season when we get there. Yeah. yeah, you too. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and thank you all for listening. 